All right, good afternoon and welcome to Branching Out with the Berman. This is Katie Samfield. I am a sophomore in history and educational studies majors, museum studies minor. I am here today with Shannon Collis. She is a professor at the University of Maryland and specializes in digital art. And she's the mastermind behind our newest installation, Strata. Shannon, how are you? I'm good, Katie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, I really just wanted to start today by talking about your inspiration behind this amazing piece, your experiences with the Athabasca oil sands that you feature in this piece, as well as your time in Fort McMurray. Sure. Um, I can start with a little bit of a background um, in terms of what brought me to the area. Um, firstly, I have a connection to the area because I grew up in the province of Alberta. Um, 14 years ago, after I graduated um, with an MFA, I um, started teaching printmaking at a, a small college in the city. And, and so I moved there and, and was aware of, of um, the scale of the operations um, through text and data, um, but not physically aware of it. And so that was what um, sort of inspired me to make this work. Um, was just the impact of the industry. And I, um, I, am, I love long distance running and I love the isolated, beautiful area, the natural landscape, and I'd go on these long runs. And I discovered at the time you were able to get, get close to um, the mining sites. And I was, um, I was able to really just sit and look and feel um, that scale through sound, through the visuals. And I think that, you know, it took me some time to do the roundabout and, and come back to that place. Um, but, you know, after doing work that uh, over time was more about physically visiting sites and, and thinking about the impact, the human impact on our, our landscape, um, this project made sense because um, of my connection uh, to the, the place, my experience of it early on. And now through my new work, how I was using my own body and senses as a means of understanding these environmental changes. So it all kind of locked together um, very <laughs> roundabout circularly over time. Um, and, and that's how I, I was able to come back and, and do this site specific visit you know, 14 years later after I had experienced the physical um, place for the first time. Yeah, and it's actually something you mentioned was the running and the walks kind of around the area and just how immersed you were in that immediate space. That's something very different than what we've had to experience in the past year with COVID and just the inability to really be in these spaces that we're used to. Um, and I know when we were working on the exhibit, you said that you had to get other people to take the audio recordings and the video recordings. Would you be able to talk about that and how COVID really has influenced the work as a whole? Sure, I think that's a really great question. So the there were two parts to my trip. And, and the first part, I, I, my shift in my research trip was that it was canceled halfway through because it was kind of the height of the start of the pandemic. It was mid-March. Um, so I was able to document um, some of the, the material that I was after through sound and video. Um, my, my, I've spoken about this a few times, um, but one of my uh, best experiences there was um, a trip on a Cessna plane 
um, and uh, being able to get a bird's eye view of the site. And that really um, hit me in terms of, um, you know, per the perception of it, um, its scale, um, <laughs> something that I wasn't expecting. Uh, so I, I did have some moments of, of, of really gathering the, uh, the data myself, the audio and video footage. But then it, it, there became a point where um, I had to leave because all of the flights were getting canceled. And they shortly after that, I got home, they closed the border. So the good um, part about that is that I, I got to meet um, some of these people that I was working with and I was able to work with them remotely. And it was actually the very same pilot that I flew with for the first time. I had a few conversations with him over the phone and he had a really good idea of what I was after in terms of capturing. And I really mapped it out kind of via satellite. Um, and we were able to talk about a path through, um, you know, some of the places that I missed. Um, I think it's a really interesting um, sort of shift for my own research because when I do do these projects, it's usually myself, my own body, um, walking through these spaces by myself. And I was really disappointed, but I recalibrated and, and sort of realized um, that I could work with the willingness and support remotely from other people. And I'm just kind of, um, I guess, brainstorming or thinking about how that could shift um, possible next projects in terms of like the places that I could possibly be without actually being there. Um, I do want to note that it's very important for me to physically experience the space. That's what the work is about is through my own senses. But there are these extensions that I think can make um, certain projects more expansive. And it's allowed me to actually continue this work despite the pandemic. Yeah, it's just this level of accessibility that comes with everything that happened. And you can kind of see that again with you working with us this semester and installing at our sinus where you weren't always able to be there. I mean, I wasn't there for the entirety of installation. So I do kind of get that in a different sphere as well. Um, how was it just kind of having so many other people working on this installation on a campus with a class involved <laughs> to top it all off? Like, what was that like for you? It was definitely a very um, different experience and it was very exciting. Um, I, I've never worked alongside a group of students and really opened up my process in that way. Um, so I found it really interesting. One of the um, things that uh, became clear sort of earlier on was this idea of communicating um, the process and the concept even though I hadn't realized the piece. And so I know that you are to work on the interpretive texts and some of the context surrounding something that doesn't exist yet. And so um, there were, you know, it's, it's a, a struggle to do that at first, but I was, I think what was interesting was finding ways to communicating that. So I was working on smaller scale models that I could share with you. We had a lot of discussions over Zoom. And I think unpacking uh, what I was doing or, or kind of sharing the process from start to finish with you helped me to um, have clarity along the way in that sense, because my process is quite individual in, in that I'm, I'm only working by myself. And there was a point when we were working in the museum and I had Justin holding up <laughs> and moving one of the, the panels for me and, and getting feedback. And I think, for me, that's what's a very exciting about installing any sort of work is that it's so important um, how people experience it. So having that feedback loop with students in the process of installing or curators or whomever you're working with, I, th I think is 
as is one of the best parts. And, um, you know, I am a educator myself. And so I, I also, um, it's opened me up to thinking about how much, how important it is to share our research, not only in its final stages, but in the process of making it. And so I know it has been a challenge for you and the pandemic has made that harder because you couldn't be in person all the time. But I think that um, the, for both of us, both the MS 200 students and myself, we learned a lot from the experience. And I feel like that is what art making is about, is, is really about learning from each other and um, through making work. And it's, I mean, again, like we've learned a lot, you've learned a lot, just like with flexibility. I know when we started the class in the fall, uh, Dr. Barkin and Dr. Tierney introduced us to this concept of museum time which I'm still trying to grasp. I really am not someone who likes flexible schedules in that, in that way, that this entire experience has really forced us to think about that. And, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Being, again, we are now online for almost everything we do. You have to be flexible or else nothing's really going to work. Um, I mean, and going and talking about, you know, you had the Cessna pilot taking video for you. You had all of us kind of giving our input with how the exhibit operates that it really plays into this idea that we've talked about with the layers of strata. You know, it's, I mean, we figured it out kind of as the curatorial class that, I mean, you did mean layers with strata and just how much plays into that. Do you see all these different collaborative voices coming out in your installation now in ways that you didn't think would happen? Yeah, I definitely see that. And, you know, I think that the name um, strata, um, both, you know, thinking about it more literally when I, when I, uh, was thinking about a name for the exhibition, but now um, in its metaphor, in terms of how it's uh, really um, become, yeah, this, these very diverse layers of input and unknowns and, and layers over time and things, how, when I think about stratum in rock or ground, how things shift over time and it actually is evidence of, of something that's happened and how those in, are interconnected. And so this, this idea of strata has become, like you said, the voices and all of the um, people that have had input along the way. It's all of the shifts and the changes. Um, and it's about that flexibility that you're talking about, that, that reactivity, um, you know, when something does um, shift for you? How do you kind of <laughs> layer on top of that or shift it and change it? And so I, I really think that the meaning uh, in the exhibition is um, both, you know, literal in the process of, of what happens in that region in terms of how, um, you know, the bitumen is mined from these open pits, um, but also in the working process. And, and that's not only in my own work itself, the layers and sound and image, but the layers of, of people and bodies and, and schedules and strategies and voices. Um, so I think all of that um, makes the work what it is. And I don't think the work would be the same if it was done somewhere else or in a different time. So although there were a lot of um, restrictions and um, a lot of differences in the way I would have worked in a museum generally, I think all of that is important to make the piece it is now. Um, so you can't, um, whenever I talk to students um, or, or people that don't know the medium, um, it, I don't just put it in place and turn it on with a button. It takes a lot of um, shifting and changing um, and, and 
reacting to those voices and differences. So I think that this has been all a part of that process. Yeah, and a few times you actually mentioned, and we've talked about this in the past, the other layers of the area that kind of became focuses of the piece itself. Could you talk about those a little bit in terms of the environment, the social, the economic uh, bits, I guess? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think I, I think about this as an interconnected, um, you know, kind of entity in that, you know, I think about the actual physical impact um, that's happening um, to the land. Um, I think about the social impact. When I was there 14 years ago, Fort McMurray was quite um, different than it is now. Um, and it was different than it was 20 years before that. And it was a boom town. And many people moved um, there because of the opportunities on site. Um, there were these huge oil companies that had large scale newer productions and high paying jobs. Um, but it was also bringing, you know, foreign foreign immigrants over um, and 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 just how people sort of connect around an industry. Um, but you can also talk about um, the impact on um, the indigenous uh, populations and, and you know, the effect of that. Um, you can talk about the biodiversity of the area that's changing, the delicate boreal forest, the ecosystem that way. So there's all these ecosystems and call it an ecosophy. Um, and it's very complex. And I think that, uh, you know, for me as an artist, just trying to start to understand that through my work um, is really important. And I think that the one thing, I'm just trying to, um, how to best <laughs> explain this, but um, communicating um, all of those ties. And, you know, you can think about it through layering, but you can think about it through interconnectivity. And I think that the one thing that's really important for my audience or someone experiencing the work um, to understand um, is that that feeling, um, the sensory experience of it. Um, and I think through what you do as, as um, museum studies students and doing the interpretive in the context um, and some of the programming around it allows for um, education on the other contexts. So what does it mean um, for the site to be active? What's happening now after the pandemic and the oil prices are going down? There are other um, things happening in Alberta in terms of, um, you know, mining, strip mining in the Rockies. And so this is all a, a moving uh, thing that we have to do be active as artists and, and political activists and social practices and education, I think as educators. And so I feel like that's what this is doing, um, especially your role in it as museum studies students is, um, is kind of providing that context that um, is part of the work in itself, but maybe not as explicit as a text, <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh, of course, that's partially why we do these, I know, a lot of on campus people really don't realize that. I mean, I was one person who could not make those connections right away. I mean, it's taken me months to work it out with Strata. Um, but sometimes it does help if someone lays it out a little bit more. Um, and I know we've also talked like, you have the literal layers of the sound and the video in front of you, the societal layers that come with Athabasca, then the different voices that come in that now that this installation is pretty much going to be online for most of the people that see it outside of those of us on campus um what what do you think about that what do you think people should really focus on when they're looking at it online compared to possibly in person because so much of this experience is 
sensory based and you're losing so much of that if you're not in person. I think that's a really good question. And I, you know, I have asked myself that just even in the completion of the work is, you know, um, suddenly the, the point of it, you know, this immersive sensory experience from someone witnessing it um, is, is very small now as an audience, um, but also, um, you know, this idea of having um, sort of some sort of, uh, not version of it, I don't like to think of it as a replacement or an equal, but a, a relatable kind of experience somehow. Um, and I question that. And, and then I, you know, in talking with you in terms of the programming, there are these, um, I guess, again, coming back to the layers. So there's the community um, at the college and that will experience it slowly and in a small way. And I think that it ripples out from that. And it's about a telling of that experience. And so I feel like that's what the programming does around it. The images online, we're talking about a virtual experience of it. Um, so I'm, I'm, I feel so lucky to be able to create work during a pandemic um, still and have the support and um, the people that are still excited to see it. So we've all shifted the ways we experience this work, but I still think it's important if the audience isn't as large and it's, it's just about um, discussing um, how that experience shifts. And so I've been talking more about it. Um, we're talking about ways like you're doing um, podcast interviews with different um, in disciplinary um, related, related practices. And so maybe none of us would have come if it was simply an exhibition that we experience of sound and image. And so I, I think that after, I think that this, the pandemic it will shift a museum experience in general. And we talk about it shifting the way we teach, the way we work. And, um, and so this is just another example of that. So I think that the richness is there, it's just different. <laughs> So I guess with this being kind of in an online sphere, and sorry, I'm throwing in a few extra questions. I didn't no, that's right okay. now. <laughs> You've worked with Strata for so long in person on your own. Are there certain things that you think people will take away more, should take away more or focus on, I guess, a little more as they experience it? Like I know everyone's going to have their own different perceptions that will influence how they look at it. But I mean, again, with the difference between the online and the in-person, people are going to sense things differently. Like, should people pay attention to visual cues a little more than audio cues or kind of those physical sensations over everything? Like, what do you think is the most important out of all of that? I think, I mean, I think that's a really good question. And I, and you probably learned this a little bit in, in museum studies is that um, you talk about, um, like you can't control the experience of a, like we even talk about how someone enters into the room. Will they want to experience their shadow in the piece? You can't, do you put up a, a line of tape so that they don't get too close? Like all these um, sort of ways of, of pushing people to look or listen to something differently. Um, like an affordance, for example. Um, but I think for this, uh, you know, people will experience it online very differently. Uh, this idea of a single screen is, is much different from an immersive, <laughs> like four channel sound. Um, but it, it sort of opens up in a way um, I think, you know, I want people to wear headphones when they listen to the sound online on a screen. Um, you know, I, could this open up new ways to develop work um, like binaural audio or, or some sort of 3D 
Um, we're opening up to more virtual experiences of exhibition spaces. So again, it's about that shifting. Um, and then I hope that, uh, I think the meaning uh, comes through in, in different ways, but I think the, uh, the goal of it or, or what I want people to learn from it can happen. I know that I sent a video um, to the class uh, early on and, and that the one thing that's different about experiencing something on a screen solo is that you, you can put your headphones in on and, you know, be really focused and, and perhaps experiencing the sound and image together, just like a film, <laughs> a single screen film experience could be just as impactful depending on the space that you're in. So there's more unknowns that way. Um, but at the same time, I think that um, a lot of my intentions, um, the visual, the sound connection, those are still there. Um, it's just different. So I don't want one to replace the other. Um, um, firstly, I made a piece that is meant to be immersive and your body enters into the space, but I do think there are some very interesting things can come from um, looking at things and listening through headphones on the screen and headphones and combination. And that's how we're seeing a lot of things of shows, exhibitions. That's how we generally sometimes see work that we've never seen before in our lives. Um, and so how do you enhance that or how do you shift and change that through um, different 3D sound experiences or virtual reality. I think that is an exciting new um, place to uh, explore in terms of the presentation of the work. Yeah, and just also thinking about this online presence, um, you mentioned the video you had sent the class and I know we have watched it countless times. I mean, I sometimes play it in the background when I do homework. <laughs> I, I really like the audio, it helps me focus. Um, but even in like just small segments, the different perceptions we had, because we all react differently to things we see and hear. But we also had this like added benefit of being able to go back a few seconds and re-listen to it over and over. And it's a different way that you get this consistent experience online compared to what you get in person because the audio and the visual never will line up again in the same way per se in person but on like well in person online though you're always going to have that sound with the panoramic of trees mm -hmm. at one specific instance that you know how to react that I mean I'm honestly just curious to see what people will take out of it in the two different senses I know most of the people I'm talking to will have seen it in person like you um, not so much a lot of the people here, I know we're trying to get them in person. Uh, so I know I'm just really curious to see how that all plays out. So I guess just like some closing thoughts, just your experience working at our sinus and breaking this, oh yeah, this like unknown location. I mean, we talked about how unknown in the Athabasca oil sands are to America, no matter how involved we are in its operation. Like how was that bringing this large site you can see from space to this small Philadelphia suburban city or well, town really like what was that like I mean we're a small school that's not well known area that's not well known and then you have this massive site that we honestly rely on here without really knowing we rely on it yeah I think that's a good question and part of doing this sort of research that is is pretty new to me um is is to start to understand how interconnected and interdependent we are and, and thinking about the XL pipeline and the politics of that here now. Um, and, um, and knowing that, you know, my visit there 
although seemingly disconnected from a small college town in Pennsylvania, is actually more meaningful and, and connected in a, in, personally to the people that inhabit this space as well. And, and I think I learned that from my trip and I, I thought of that just myself. Um, you know, I have a connection to the place because it's my home. Um, so that had meaning, but then now that I, I am living in, in the United States, how am I still connected to that place? And I think part of it is telling the story. Um, and, and so bringing it to, to your sinus is, is part of that. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, I think these scale shifts are, are really interesting. Um, I always, when I make work like this, I always have to think about the space that it inhabits. And that part of that is like the material space, how sound behaves in a smaller gallery. And, and those scale shifts are really interesting. Um, and then, you know, how do you make it kind of retain that, that large scale and impact sensorially? Um, and then when someone enters into the space, I hope that that unexpected nature, like that, that feeling of, of total awe, um, of, of scale, of that sound, um, could really uh, help them to think about um, their bodily impact or their physical impact, their connection to how they live. And, and, and so these things are, are subtle. They're not um, literal. I'm not offering them a statistic of, uh, or data that says, you know, you use this kind of certain amount of energy. Um, this is literally how you um, impact um, the land up there, or, you know, it's not, it's not that kind of literal connection. Um, it's more um, about a learning experience. So if you think about it more, how does that perhaps change the way you think about how you just live and operate in your own day-to-day -day life? And, um, you know, these are, are very complex connections, but I think for me, it's about someone wanting to learn more about what that site it has to do with our day-to-day lives here because it does connect um, in a in a, a way that is <laughs> very vast and and a lot of networks, but um, but it makes sense to um, think about it. I mean, it really does, and I mean, having you kind of bring this opportunity to our campus to make it a part of our consistent discussion with, I mean, again, it connects to our sociology department, politics, I mean, obviously environmental, like I think that's the easiest connection any of us can make. Like just having that opportunity to open our eyes, I think has been really rewarding for us as a museum studies class. And as we extend this discussion out to the campus for everyone else involved. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you also like, we mentioned this space and I was thinking like, I mean, again, you can see these oil sands from the International Space Station. You don't realize that's what they are, but once you connect it, it's this like brown spot in the middle of like green, like Alberta. It's just, it's a weird thing to think about. And then going into the second floor gallery, like after the Stephanie Rowden was taken out, the collection speaks, the space itself feels so much larger. Mm -hmm. Like, and also just like, I, there will be an all factor, I think, once people start to go in, because anyone that was in there before does not realize that space is that big. Yeah. That now you have these massive walls that, I mean, have this amazing video on it. I mean, even me going in for the first time before with the Stephanie Ground, I didn't realize that we had that much space up there. So it is a different mental adjustment, I think. Yeah. And I, I think that's interesting because I think I want my work to be transformative that way. And I want to 
for people to understand the scale of the project and, and sort of that physical experience of the impact. Um, so it's not necessarily that a person might see or feel that place themselves, um, but but through that transformative experience in this uh, kind of more neutral space, um, could they just have a sensorial sense of it? And, and that, you know, that's what is so important to me and my first experience of it was how it felt through sight and sound. And, you know, can I bring that back? And, and so I'm glad to say that you're saying that it has shifted the scale of a space that's, you know, without anything in it can feel rather small, but you, um, you activate it a certain way and that, that shifts. And so I, I like that, that kind of um, feedback in, because that's what I'm after. I, th I think that's what image and sound can do. I really do. <laughs> yeah, just a note for anyone who listens and sees this online. There are people who are over six feet who are small behind the walls that you see. So as just a scale, it is huge. <laughs> um, so also just as a final note, what was your biggest takeaway, I guess, from working here on our sinus with us and your favorite part of all of it? Because I know this was definitely a different and hopefully rewarding experience for you just as much as it was for all of us. I, I really, for me, the um, energy of, of the people that I met, I think I just had such a wonderful experience, um, the support system, um, the positivity, I think the excitement around the project. Um, you know, often, as I said, I, I walk into an empty room and I spend a week by myself in the dark and I feel like I had a lot of interaction and that really changed the work, um, the outcome of the work. And I feel like the discussion over time was really interesting, um, both the interaction with students um, and, you know, professors and, and all of the staff that, was, that, that were very, very helpful. Um, and I, I look forward to, you know, now that it is up for a, a longer period of time is, is to, as you say, start to understand how it unfolds and it's many layers of experience too. Um, and so I, I feel like it's a lot of it were, you know, the people around me um, that helped me put it together. Um, that's one of my favorite takeaways for sure from the experience. <laughs> I'm glad. All right. So it looks like we are running out of time. I just want to say thank you so, so much for coming and talking to us, for working with us and giving us this fantastic learning experience. I know we appreciated every minute of your time. Um, and it, it was definitely, I think, a good first installation for all of us <laughs> as a whole to work with you during this pandemic where <laughs> we were all still kind of figuring our way out as we went along. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you yeah, so much. Thanks, Katie, for um, having me. Yeah, of course. All right. And then for everyone listening, please keep an eye on our website, uh, ursinus.edu slash Berman for the installation. It should be going up soon. And also keep an eye on our YouTube and Facebook pages. We have all our updates there as well. So have a good one. Bye.